Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Hi. Hi. I really like child educations because I get to hear why do the parents name their kids certain ways, and it's such a joy. And so we see that, that even in the Bible, names are very important. So let me just give you uh, a very short, like, brief write-up. Okay, so there were a few ways names were chosen in the Bible times. Firstly, by circumstances of their birth. So Samuel means God has heard because this, the name Samuel actually marks the, the response or the answer of Hannah's prayer that she wanted a child. So Samuel is God has heard. Ichabod. Ichabod uh, is a child, is Eli's grandson. Eli was the one who, whom Samuel served. So Eli, Eli's daughter-in-law, uh, when she heard that the Philistines have taken the Ark of the Covenant, that her father-in-law has passed away, that her husband has passed away, uh, when then she gave birth, and when she gave birth, she named the child Ichabod, which means the glory has departed. So that was the circumstance. And then also it's like Isaac, right? So when Sarah heard that she's going to give birth at a very old age, she laughed. And so Isaac means laughter. It means he laughs. You know, it was a response of his mother when she heard that she was going to, be a mother, that she was going to give birth. Moses means to draw out because he was left on the Nile River. He was named to draw out. And then secondly, there are a few ways, right? And the second way is to describe a personality or character trait. So we see in David, right, uh, in 1 Samuel, there's this guy called Nabal. And Nabal means fool. Okay, so he was such a fool that even his wife, Abigail, said, please, like, have pity on my worthless husband. He's a fool by nature and by name. You know, and so names were also uh, identified with the personality personality trait of a person. Jacob was called a supplanter. Jacob means supplanter because when he was a child, he actually held onto the heel of Esau, right? So, and all, all his life, he was a deceiver. He kept deceiving everybody that he met. Thirdly, names were also chosen or given uh, in this way when it was given divinely by God directly. So there are only a few people who were divinely and directly named by God. One is John the Baptist. The other is his cousin, Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's another way that people named people or name their children in the Bible. Fourthly, fourthly, we have people who are named, who names are changed by God's intervention. So from Abraham, which means high father, to Abraham, father of, na- uh, father of a multitude. Sarai, which means my princess, to Sarah, mother of nations. Jacob, from supplanter to Israel, which is having power of God. Jabez, Jabez actually was named because uh, his, he caused pain to his mother when he was given birth. But he prayed that, God, you will bless me, you will enlarge my territory, you will no, not, not, not bring me to harm, and you will make me be free from pain. And God answered him. And so right now, Jabez is associated with blessing. It's no longer associated with pain. God changed that, that direction. God changed that directive. And then from Simon to, which means uh, God has heard, to Peter, which means rock. So names are important to God. And, and you know, sometimes when we quote like, oh, you know, God knows you by name. He knows the stars by name. He knows you by name. When we say that God knows you by name, we are not saying that he knows you individually. Oh, this is Daniel. This is Rudy. This is Russell. What we are saying or what the Bible is trying to say when they say God knows you by name, he's trying to say that he intimately knows who you and what you are. 
That's what names are to God. So whenever you read the Bible and it says God knows you by name, He knows you by name, He doesn't, he doesn't know, just know like, okay, you're called Christine. He knows what your makeup is, how you feel, how you process your emotions, how you react to stuff, what is your innermost dreams, what makes you tick, what makes you depressed. You know, he knows you intimately and names are important to God. It indicates that he completely knows us, completely knows us. And so knowing the emphasis that God puts on names, we in turn must realize the importance of the names that God reveals to us. Yes? If he knows us by name intimately, then we must also understand that the names that he has chosen to reveal to us through his word are important to him. These are names, uh, these are characters, these are the, the sights of him that he wants to show and share with us. And so the names of God are not just, you know, it's not like a, um, what do you call it? Those fool, those amulet, those, uh, amulet thing that you, okay, you call on this name for healing. You just call on that thing for this thing. But it, it is a side of him. It's just a, it's a character of him. We always tease Jason that now he's the prayer person. So um, for every event, okay, we want to, let's ask somebody to pray. Jason and cons. Jason and cons. But, you know, you just know him as the prayer person. And yes, he does his job as the prayer person. But there are sides of him that you should know also if you want to be he. His friend, if you want to know him a bit closer, more intimately. And this is the same with God. That when he reveals his name to us, it's not just to apply it to your emergency situations. Yeah? It's a side of him that he wants to, uh, wants us to experience fully, to get to know this side of him as, uh, as God. And so one of the names, just one of the many names that I want to touch on today, uh, is found in Ezekiel 48, 35. Ezekiel, okay, from verse 30 until 35, actually for the whole few chapters of Ezekiel, it gives, it gives a lot of measurements, okay? And this measurements is for a city, so it talks about how many cubits to a gate, from this gate to that gate, how far it will be, uh, how big will the gates be, okay? These are all uh, measurements. And then lastly, Ezekiel says in verse 35, all the way around shall be 18,000 cubits, and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. So Ezekiel sees this city, and he's given all the measurements of the city. And at the end, it says, this is the last part of Ezekiel. All around, it's 18,000 cubits, and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. The word here, the Lord is there, is actually translated as Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Shammah is the Lord is there. Jehovah Shammah is the name of God. Let me just give you some context. So Ezekiel at this time, okay, Babylon, Babylon has already invaded Jerusalem and destroyed the city, destroyed the temple. And Ezekiel's vision comes at the time of their captivity, where their own city and their temple, which is a holy and sacred place for them, were destroyed. And so now they're all taken exile into Babylon. If you, if you must go even further back, right? The presence of God has always been associated with um, a physical place for the Israelites. So for Israel, God has, the closest God has, has been to them is a pillar of fire, a pillar of cloud. Uh, he's in the Ark of the Covenant, in the tabernacle, in the temple. That's the, that's the, the symbolism of God, of God's presence to the Israelites. 
And so can you imagine, can you put yourself in Ezekiel's shoes, all in the Israelites' shoes, when they saw their city and their temple destroyed, it's as though God wasn't there with them anymore. So to them, it's like God has left the building. And there's, there's nowhere else they can find God because they are in a different country. They are under a different king. And so can you imagine the significance when God gave Ezekiel this vision, this massive vision of his city being rebuilt. And then finally saying that the name of the city shall be called the Lord is there. Promising the permanence of his presence there. That is, that is something big for Ezekiel at that time. Remember I say again, okay? It has always been to the Israelites. The, the presence of God is located in one place. And then at that time before, when they were invaded, it was in the temple. And their city and their temple were destroyed. So to them, God was not around with them. And to have that promise again, to have to see in the future again, that their city will be rebuilt. And not only that, God will now indwell with them in the city. He promised his permanence there. The, the impact that Ezekiel would have. But of course, you know, we know from, from Revelation 21 now that that, new, that city is New Jerusalem, right? You know, and the revelation of this name, Jehovah Shammah, is both for us to experience and a promise for us to look forward to. So it's not just something that we, we wait until Jesus comes back and then His permanent presence will be with us. That will be a, an even greater outpouring and an even greater manifestation of um, His presence that we never experienced before. But right now, because now we have been, it has been revealed. He has shown us His name, Jehovah Shammah. Now we get to experience that as well. We don't have to just wait and look forward, but we get to experience that as well. Because I think as Christians... We are all okay with the omnipresence of God, yes? We all know that God is everywhere, anywhere. He will get to do whatever He needs to do uh, at His time and everybody gets to access God all the time. We all know that, okay? We, I, mean, I think we are okay with the, the omnipresence of God. In fact, David says, um, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Even there your right hand shall hold me. But the connotation of the passage in Ezekiel is not just the omnipresence of God. This is not just, a, this is not just talking about a God who is like, Ooh, I'm here. Rudy, I'm here, you know? This, the connotation of Ezekiel, that passage, the Lord is there, it's not just, oh, I'm here, you know, I'm all around you. But the connotation is the Lord is there. I'm here at a, spe at a specific space in time, a specific location, I am here. The Lord is there. The Lord is here. It's not just an omnipresence and you tap on the on the higher power kind of, of, of presence. But it's a specifically located presence of God. It's a specific um, uh, place, something like Moses. When Moses encountered the burning bush, God was there. He's, he, he concentrated his presence at the burning bush. When Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were in the, fury, in the fiery furnace, and then there was a fourth man. They saw a fourth man. That was God was there. The Lord was there. He was present there. And that is what 
Ezekiel 48 verse 35 is trying to say, when it says the Lord is there, He's Jehovah Shammah, He's not just an omnipresent God, but He is a God who chooses to be present with you at a specific location, at a specific space in time. You know, after the fall, the proximity of our contact changed. From that closeness, that transparency, no veil at, in the Garden of Eden, it became God being concentrated, only the pillar of fire, pillar of cloud, Ark of the Covenant, located right inside, after veils and veils of curtains. The, pro our, the proximity of our contact with God changed. And not only that, the nature of our contact changed. Instead of walking with God, communing with God in the garden, we are now having to be separated. A specific tribe, a, spe a specific person in the tribe, on one very special day, is allowed to go in into the holy presence of God. The, the nature of our contact changed from, from communing with God face to face. It became only one person out of how many millions of people on one special day a year gets to go in with God on behalf of everybody else. But that changed when Christ came to us 2,000, 3,000 years ago. And the, contact, and the proximity of our contact changed again. Now, now he is called Emmanuel, God with us. When Jesus came to the earth, he became Emmanuel, God with us. And when he ascended back into heaven, he left the Holy Spirit in us. And so now it has changed. The nature of our contact has changed again. Instead of just one special tribe and one special man on a special day going to access God, right now we have the presence of God, the promised permanent presence of God living inside of us. And instead of going to a special place in a special hill, and going up there to, to worship God and having to make a pilgrimage up to somewhere special that God has ordained. Right now, the moment we just shift our thoughts, we shift our focus, we just engage our hearts, and God is there. The Lord is there. The nature of our contact with God has changed forever. Now we have the privilege of just tuning into Him. We have the privilege of just doing that. You know how you, like today's worship, I was just, I don't know why I waste money on makeup because in the end I just <laughs> cry. Why I even bother waking up early to put makeup is a mystery to me, lah, okay? Just don't bother people. But have you, have you ever been in a service where, you know, you, the band has started, you are still thinking about, you know, things that happen at work or your, the conversation you had with somebody just now and you're just troubled and, you know, your mind is on somewhere else and, you know, you're just clapping along to the music. You don't really feel God. And all of a sudden, you're thinking, okay, enough. I'm here for church, right? I'm here for God. And then you just begin to, like, tune in. <laughs> tune in. You just begin to change your focus. Quieten down your hearts. And all of a sudden, you feel that that nearness of God. How many of, how, many has, how, how many of you have had that happen to you? Or when you're just hectic, you know, with work, with what's going on in your family and you're just rushing from one thing to another thing and you just feel a sense of exhaustion and exasperation and you're just like, oh, God. And suddenly, peace comes. Have you had that experience before? Have you had the experience where you had fear Maybe it was like going to a, an interview and you feel like throwing up. Or it's, it's hearing the doctor's report about, you know, about your bleeding when you're pregnant. Or just, or just 
or just going through difficult times and your heart is just filled with fear and all of a sudden you just tune in and say, no, God, you have this under control. And all of a sudden, the peace of God comes. All of a sudden, that strength comes and you, know, and you feel God saying, I'm here. I'm here. That is Jehovah Shammah. That is Jehovah Shammah showing himself. That is, art. That, that, that is us tapping into that nature of God. And you might not even know this name, Jehovah Shammah, but you have felt that. You have felt that. That's the good thing about God, right? You don't have to like pass a test and get to know all his names. Then he gets to show you his stuff, right? We get to experience the manifest presence of God all the time. All the time. That's the privilege that we have. He's present with us. What is being present? It's a very, it's a very uh, 21st century word. Parents always, you know, we always have these articles. You have to be present with your children. You know, you, you cannot be like a distant parent or you cannot just, you have to be present in the moment. What does it mean to be present? It means eye contact. It means your thoughts focused. It means your heart engaged in what the person is saying. And that is what God is doing. He's present with us. He's waiting on us. He's looking at us. His heart is wanting to engage with us. His thoughts are towards us. He's present with us and he's just waiting on us. So what does this, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us if we know that he's Jehovah Shammah? It means we have a present help and a present hope. Present. Not some wishful thinking. Not some, you know, I have to call and then wait for, you know, you to re- do call back, like long distance call. But immediate help. In times of need, we often have many options, especially in this time and age. We have many options. We have, the Google, we have Google, we have our WhatsApp chat, we have support groups, <laughs> we have, we have uh, our, own, our own experiences, we have the experiences of our friends. And we can always just quickly go there and, you know, yes, they might, they might have the answers and all, but it's our first instinct to just turn to God. You see, God uses people as well. Sometimes when, when, when I think about, no, Lord, well, how, what can I do? And I'm reminded of like a conversation I have with a friend. And so I text the friend and say, hey, what do you say about that? Can you just let me know? And God works through it. It's not like you're devoid of all social contact. But your dependency, the first person, the first call, who, do, who is your number one on the speed dial? Who do you turn to? Who do you immediately connect with? That is the important thing. Which turn does our thoughts take? Where do we turn our vision to? Do we lift our eyes over our circumstances and see that help comes from God? Or do we just look at circumstances and try to find an answer within? We are not abandoned or alone when we face difficulties. The Lord is there. He's ready to dispense wisdom, to dispense grace, strength, comfort, protection. One of the best things Rudy and I have taught our kids is that Jesus is in their hearts. And they can always tell Jesus things. And so, Erilyn has this thing about like, some people suddenly offing the lights. And so when somebody offed the lights, so there was once I just offed the light and she was right behind me. And then she felt scared. So she started like, panicking and trying to like, run out of the room. And all of a sudden, in the middle of like, the darkness, she turned around and go, Halloween, no! Jesus is here! She, she calls all scary things Halloween. <laughs> I don't know where she learned that from. So she, anyway, she just turns around and says, Halloween, no, Jesus is here. Then I turn, where's Jesus? Here. No Halloween like that. So naughty. <laughs> then she just, 
if you know her, she was so naughty. But that, but that is like in the midst of her fear and her, her rush to get out of that darkness, she remembered. She tuned in to Jehovah Shammah and God, Jesus is here. Halloween cannot touch me. You know, and how many of us can be like that? And we, we can, we can. But how many of us actually do that? He's our present hope. We don't have to dwell in discouragement and hopelessness. The Lord is there. He is our greater, greatest encourager and cheerleader. You know, what, what does it mean to be present or not? When God says He's our present help and our present need, and then when you tune into Him, this is what He's saying. When He says He's your present hope, and then you turn to Him and you say, I've been having a very bad day at work. How long more must I work in this place? How long more must I like, be here? Like, I really need to find something else. God, is there no way? Present hope means, when you tune into God, this, God will say, it's okay, Rachel. Wait till you see the next appointment. Wait till you see the next appointment. Everything that you have worked for, it will not be wasted. You trust me. Continue. You have trust me already. Continue to trust me. It will be better than what you have asked for. It will be greater than what you have imagined. The connections that you'll have, the people that you'll meet, it will be greater than what you can ever go for interviews and look for. Trust me. That is God being present hope. Present help means you have no idea why your kid is acting up this way. You have tried all kinds of parenting technique. And you just, God, help me. And Jesus bring presence say, it's okay, Shusin. You are a great mother. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Everything you've done for your children, I've seen it. And it touches my heart because you love like I love. Everyone is special. Everyone is unique. Everyone is different. And it's okay. It's okay. Love them the way you love them. I'm so proud of you. That is God being present help and present need. The minute we just turn our focus to Him, that is what He does. He's here. We don't have to wait for a long time and go through a, a medium to tell us what God is saying. And in as much as God is present with us, He desires for us to be aware of Him as well. Jehovah Shammah is not just a name. It's a promise that He it was, He is, and He will always be with us. It's an invitation for us to let Him prove His faithfulness to us. You know, that's what God desires to do. He, just, he doesn't just want to be passive and sit on the docks and just wait for you to ask for something. Ask me, then I will show you my power. No, He's actively asking you in, to invite Him into your situations, to invite, you, to invite Him into your life so that He can prove that He's faithful, so that He can prove that He is great, so that He can prove that He is good. He wants to do that. He is on the active. He is on the offensive. He wants to show His goodness in your life. He doesn't just want to wait for you and, you know, until you call Him, Bopi, Bopi, God, please help me, you know, bless me. And then He, you know, display His power. No, He's actively searching you out, pursuing you and say, let me help you with this. Let me show you what you can do with me. That's what He wants us to do. He wants us to be acutely aware of His presence as well. You see, when Israel crossed over to the promised land, God instructed Joshua to, build, to take up 12 stones and to build up a memorial at, at the bank of the Jordan. And he says, when the children ask you next time, when the children ask the father next time, what are these stones? The fathers should say that God was with them and that they crossed the Jordan over dry ground. Memorial stones. When you look back at your life today, do you see memorial stones? 
of God being there, being present with you. Do you? A key verse for our family, one of the verses that we esteem high in our family, is from Psalm 78 verse 4. It says we will not hide these truths from our children, but we will tell them, tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, His power and His mighty wonders. You see, you might think that this verse is about the next generation, that wow, we will tell the next generation, next generation will know of the wonders of God. But the onus is on this generation. Do we see glorious deeds? Do we see His power manifested in our lives? Do we see His mighty wonders working in our lives that we can have stories to tell our children? Do we look back into our lives and say, you know, son, when before Papa and Mommy got married, this is what the Lord did for us. You know, when I was in my youth, when I was 16 years old, just like you, you know what, but what God did for me. Do you, have, do you look back and see memorial stones of God being there with you? You know, we can just look, go through life just scratching the surface of all God wants us to do. Being present with God means, oh, Sunday service. We feel the presence of God. We feel the presence of God when people pray for us. We're not allowing God to access and to just come and be present with us in our everyday lives. Simple things like, you know, He is, he is so caring and He is so intentional about building relationship that He cares about every single detail of your life, big or small. Whether, you know, you, you have a big life decision to make or you're just thinking what to buy for your husband for his birthday. Simple things like that. And the, and the Lord just wants to be present with you and like, guide you along, be with you and journey on this thing with you. And when you look back on your lives, I tell you, you will still see the fingerprints of God. That's the awesomeness of God. That's the sovereignty of God. Even if you are not intentional about inviting God into your life, when you look back into your life, you will still, you will still see the hand of God. You will still see the fingerprints of God. That's how good He is. But do you see milestones? You know, with Rudy and I, I think we have said this so many times that if you ask us how did we get married, there's a story. God was there. If you tell us how we bought our house, God was there. How we even afforded to pay for the house, God was there. When I look back, right, every single time somebody asks me, why do you name them Travis? Why do you name her uh, Erilyn? I will, have, I will always have a, a testimony to, to say. I will always be able to testify that the Lord is there. Because we intentionally invite God into the very process of our lives. No matter how small, no matter how messy, no matter how massive, we invite God into the process and the journey of our life. And we let Him prove that He was there. Because He wants to. Why am I adamant about the faithfulness of God? Because I have experienced it. Have you experienced it? I know this might sound emo and Timothy Xiao always tease me about it, but I always tell him that I love walking in the wind and the rain. Not those like super heavy rain and then you're just drenched. Okay, those like very light, light rain, still heaven, but, but massive winds. And it was at a time when I was, I was having depression and I don't know how to get out of it. I've been a church kid, a pastor's kid all my life and I don't even know why I got depression. I remember walking back to my house, you know, via a longer route and just walking, even though I know it's going to rain, you know, but it was like hot and clammy. You know, it's like when it's going to rain and it's humid and nothing is happening. And so it's just hot and clammy. And I was just walking, I'm like, I'm so, I'm so depressed with my depressed state. I'm like, why am I depressed? It's not even like, oh, so spiritual. I like pray, Father, show your glory. I just went like, like, how? Are you even there? Like, what, what am I doing? I don't know how to get out of it. And I kid you not, 
all of a sudden, and this gush of wind came again. And then it did another time. Another five, six times, and then suddenly there was a constant wind with like, you know, like a bit of rain falling down. At that point of time, it felt like a hug from God. And I felt the presence of God all around through my hair. So now every single time there's a huge gush of wind and there's a speckle of rain, I walk in there or I go to you, I ask really, I open my window and I just stand outside there and let the, the wind and the rain hit my glasses and my face. It reminded me of a time where God heard my cry. It's a testimony of God meeting me at where I am. It's a testimony of the Lord being there at a specific time for me. Today, when you look at your life, the events of your life, do you see memorial stones of Jehovah Shammah? The Lord is there. He was there at a specific time, at a specific place, for, because of a specific call that you have. Did He appear to you that way? Did He come to you in those times or did you seek out your own wisdom? Do you seek out your own convenience? Or do you just you know, try to work it out and then if it doesn't, doesn't? Or did you intentionally invite the, God, invite the Lord into whatever that you're going through, the process of your life? When I look back into my life, like I say, if you ask me, why do I name my kids Travis and Erilyn? I have a prophetic story for both of them. You see, the, the, the name Jehovah Shammah is not just a name of God, but it will be a permanent residence of God. And you know, your schools and your companies... Those of you who are bosses, you own your company. Your companies can be where the Lord is there. That somehow your employees find, why is this company so special? It's not just the welfare. It's not just the welfare. There is a sense of peace. Everybody loves working with everybody. There's such joy and celebration in the culture of the company. It's in the church that our church can be the Lord is there. Jehovah Shammah that when we come we all we sense not just omnipresence of God but we can sense the tangible and manifest presence of God and He wants to be present with us that when people who don't know God walk in all of a sudden they are hit with a reality that they have never experienced before today I want to challenge all of you if you, if you look back and you say I don't have memorial stones that the Lord is there the Lord is there I don't see it it's okay, you can start building them now. You can start building them now. In a moment, I want to pray for people who you feel you need a, like, the sense of God in, in the situation that you are in. You need a present help. You need a present hope. You're in a situation where, you know, you're up to your, your wits. Human wisdom cannot come through for you. Human experience cannot come through for you. And you know, or it's just you are feeling emotions that you can't handle. Things about life that you are just depressed about or you feel hopeless about. I want you to know that today He's present with you. He wants to be your present help. He wants to be your present hope.